It is so good to worship with you all and uh, to be here. Let me ask you a question. What, what causes so much evil in the world today? You point to a lot of things, but you look around, you see so much brokenness, don't you? Not just what happened in Memphis. It's marriages that, you know, you thought were intact and growing, and then you find out, wait, are you kidding me? And you find out that there's like someone you thought they were doing great and they're separated or their marriage is falling apart or, or whatever. And it, and it kills you. Or maybe there's a severely strained relationship between a parent and a child. Maybe an adult child. And you just go, wow, this relationship that had been so close, what happened? It might be someone who's caught in addiction or self-harm. Maybe there's rampant dishonesty. It could be the brokenness of like acceptable sins. You know, the ones we think God's like, winks at like toxic gossip or greed where we hold on to all of our resources for us. It could be all kinds of things. You and I are in a spiritual battle. Do you believe that? We are absolutely in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy whose mission is crystal clear and Jesus is the one who tells us. He says, you have an enemy whose mission is to do three things. Want to say it with me? His mission is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Especially heard someone up there. Way to go, yeah. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do to our lives. We have this invisible enemy, and there's this battle raging in the supernatural realm, something that these eyes cannot see but is very real. You might go, Jonathan, uh, you're sort of freaking me out here. I'm newer to grace. Like, do you really believe like in angels and demons and all the rest? Like, is that like, is that what I'm signing up for to be a part of like this church family? What I would tell you is this. I'd say, well, what we do is we, we take this book really seriously. And, um, and so we would say that there is an invisible world. Yes, and there are, there's a battle raging. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real, right? So I was talking to my son-in-law, Brad. Brad is a helicopter pilot uh, with the Coast Guard, and I'm still, Brad, if you're watching, I'm still angling for my first ride on your helicopter, and, uh, and even though you say it's not possible by law, someday I'm just gonna pretend I'm drowning like about a half mile out, and he's gonna come and pick me up. And, but anyhow, so I'm in the hangar, and I always like to see how things work. So I said, tell me how this thing flies and whatever. And, and one of the things he showed me was his helmet. He wears the helmet whenever he flies. And, and on the helmet, uh, especially when he's flying at night, he's got these goggles that come down that are very expensive. Maybe not exactly the ones you see there on the screen, but when he puts those down, he says, we're doing a night rescue out over the ocean. A boat's gone down, and there's someone in the ocean or they're out in, uh, at land. He says, sometimes it'll be a national park and we're called in and we have this way we do a grid to try to find someone who's lost and in trouble. And, and, and he said, when I put those goggles down, I can see things that would be impossible for you to see. So the question is, if I'm in the chopper with Brad and he's got the goggles on and I don't, who is seeing reality for what it is? Brad, right? 
Brad has an ability to see what these human eyes cannot. Friends, it's, it's no different in the spiritual realm. That you and I, if we could have a pair of spiritual vision goggles, imagine we did that today, and, uh, and we hand it out today, we're like, hey, on your way out today, you're gonna get a pair of spiritual vision goggles. And you could see the spiritual world Friends, to refuse that, to say, yeah, I'm really, you know. To say that things that are invisible to these eyes don't exist is not only untrue, it can also be downright devastating, right? One of the keys to living effectively is to see the unseen. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, We've, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is what? Unseen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternally goes, actually what you can see is what's going to last longer. The spiritual realm, heaven, and hell. So it's not just a matter of curiosity. It actually affects the way that we live. It really does. It shapes how we go about our day, tomorrow and Tuesday. And, and so let me just put it as plainly as possible. If you live aware, listen to this, if you live aware of the supernatural realm, you're gonna live smarter, you're, you're gonna have more confidence, and you're going to, you're gonna become more the person that Jesus wants you to be. But if you live unaware of the spiritual realities going on around you, it's like putting a blindfold over your eyes and walking in such a way that you're like, he's going right off the platform right there. Or we're gonna get into the ditch. We're gonna end up in a place where you go, I had no idea that I was under attack. If you and I could put on a pair of spiritual vision goggles, here's what I wonder. What would you see? You know when you're at home alone at night and you think, I'm all by myself? What if you had a pair of spiritual vision goggles to put on you're like, holy cow. There's like angelic powers all around me. And there are also demonic forces who who are putting lures out for me. You're rushing out the door and you have a pair of spiritual vision goggles. What, what, what might you see? You go, I can't, I can't believe it. Like there's, you're, having, you're texting with a friend, you're like, wow, even then? Even then, you have spiritual enemies who are trying to bring you down. We are in a spiritual battle and somebody real is trying to destroy you. His goal is simply this. He's not trying to take your human life necessarily. What he wants to do, he doesn't care if you live to be 110 years old. What he really wants is to destroy your relationship with Jesus and with the people around you. Because ultimately, what does the Lord say? Jesus says, the greatest two things you can do are to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love the people around you as you love yourself. So Satan's gonna work precisely against those two things. So you and I are in the heat of an all-important battle, so it's not a surprise that Jesus, when he teaches us a prayer and how to pray, that he includes the supernatural realm and the spiritual battle in his prayer. You go, really? Let's take a look, okay? Matthew chapter six, either in your paper Bible or your Bible app, you'll see the image for that on the screen here. Wanna say how, just glad to have you with us. Those of you engaging online, 
I want to say that there's something about being here, just a sense of God's presence I've, sen- I've felt today. And uh, isn't, yeah, and just grateful for that. And I'm not sure how much of that you can pick up online. Some of you live a really far distance away. But if you're in town, wow, we'd love to have you uh, here when you're able to be back in person. So, uh, and hopefully you got some notes on your way. And if not, if you go to our homepage, gracemay.org, and you'll see the bulletin there, and there are notes right there to follow along. So we're in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and the big point, I just don't want to forget the big point, before we dive into one specific phrase, is that Jesus is talking about the privilege of prayer, that you and I can have a relationship with our Abba, our heavenly dad, like he, he gives this very intimate term, and, and that I can just say, Lord, it's Jonathan, and uh, I want to talk to you about my day today and acknowledge you for who you are. I want you to be my king and my leader. And Lord, I've got this conversation or this meeting or whatever. And Lord, I, I just, and we, and we talked to him. The whole point of the prayer is Jesus is inviting us to, to have him involved in our lives. Like you can talk to God in a personal way. You don't have to be on site, you know, in a church facility. You don't have to be with a pastor. You don't have to be, you, you can at any point in your car, when you're having your breakfast, when you're talking, even in the middle of a conversation, you can just be having a quiet prayer. I'll do this and say, Lord, right now, just help me to know how to respond, Lord. Give me wisdom in this decision right now. So let's pray this prayer together, and then we'll dive into one phrase. You ready? Let's, you'll see the words on the screen here. Let's, let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to laser in on one little phrase. You're going to see it right here on the screen, and it's this one right here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What does he mean by that? It, the better translation it says there is from the evil one. It's not just evil, like some cosmic, but actually from an, an evil force. That's Satan and all of his cohorts. But what does it mean, lead us not into temptation? When, it, when he says that there, someone might go, does God tempt me? We know from one of the principles of Scripture interpretation is you allow one scripture to interpret another, right? Scripture is unified, is not going to be at odds with each other. So we read in James chapter 1, it says, it says this, James 1, 13, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So Jesus is presumably saying something more like this, Father, lead us not to succumb to temptation. Help us to have your strength in the midst of the battle and deliver us from the evil one when he comes our way. What Jesus is making clear is this, just by teaching us to pray with this, what he's saying is this, you and I have a real enemy, right? We might forget that, uh, you know, when we go about our daily life, we just see the people we know and, and there's the reality is put on those spiritual vision goggles, we're like, wow, there is a lot more going on here than I knew. But Jesus encountered this and if you trust the word of Jesus, then you say, I believe it as well. Let me just give a couple examples. A couple of uh, chapters back, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he he was hungry. 
seems obvious right there, uh, the tempter came to him. Do you, th- do you think Jesus saw Satan as a real figure? Absolutely. Turn over several chapters to the right, Matthew chapter 8. It says in verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. And then one more example in Matthew chapter 10, it says in verse 1, when Jesus is talking to his followers, and it says he called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to do what? To cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Let me just ask again, do you think Jesus believed in a spiritual battle? Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Just a word, if you're newer to faith in Jesus or to Grace Church, uh, you might go, I don't know about this. I have a friend, Matt, in New York. Uh, He's not a follower of Christ, but didn't attend church, but he thought it'd be good for his kids, and so he sent them off to church. He'd go to, like, Sunday school and stuff until one day they came home and they go, you know, we learned about today, we learned about angels and about Satan. And it freaked Matt out. And he never let his kids go to that church again for two reasons. He said, first of all, I don't know if I really believe in that stuff. And secondly, it's just gonna scare my kids. If either one of those thoughts are where you are right now, I want you, would you stick with me on the topic and just to say, okay, let me at least consider this. Something about having an open mind. First of all, the fear issue. Um, what you find in the Bible is that when you begin to understand what Jesus has done, you don't have to fear at all. You can be alert and sober about the reality of the battle, but you don't have to fear. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't wake up in fear. I don't fear the enemy because I have, I have Jesus with me all the time. The second thing is if you don't believe in the existence of an evil one or demonic powers, one of the challenges is how do you explain all the brokenness in the world? And you see acts of violence. You go, what would cause someone to do that? Or someone who's caught in, in just the grip of evil, and you go, or when you see someone released, and you go, wow, they're like a completely different person. I'll just say this I believe that to go through daily life without an awareness of the spiritual realities is to walk around with your eyes wide shut. You're like at a huge disadvantage. It's like, you know, my son in law, you know, being a helicopter pilot, and he goes, you know what, I'll pass on those goggles. Like, I only, the only thing that's real is what these eyes can see without that extra help. You go, dude, you're, you're missing out on the reality. There's something about spiritual realities that help us to approach life and our journey ahead with new confidence. So here, here's what the Bible says. You find out in the Gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that demons are mentioned 60 times. Not, not six, but 60 times. And if you're following along your notes, here's what it says. If angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies, like that's angelic powers. We believe in that as well. Uh, it says even children have their angels, their faces are looking to the Father. Also, demons then are evil angels who sinned against God and who now continually work evil in the world. So the evil one that Jesus mentions when he says, and deliver us from the evil one, he's referring to Satan. 
and all of you know, the team that Satan is the captain of, that Satan originally was an angel, created good, that uh, you know, went, went rogue. And probably one of the more powerful angels, but he rebelled against the creator God, and he took a whole slew of angels turned demons with him. All the evidence points to this fact. You're reading the scripture. And, and, and here's Satan's mission. We said it earlier. His mission and that of demons is to wreak havoc in our lives, to destroy your relationship with God, to ruin your faith. Like if you, if you go, I just don't know if I believe anymore. I don't really, I would just say, consider that that might be the enemy saying, oh, like it's working. His goal, his strategy, he'll use anything he can. He'll cause a person to self-destruct with Substance abuse, you know, alcohol overuse, uncontrolled spending. I'm looking at right now, you, you turn the Cavs game or any kind of sporting event and there's like gambling like crazy. There are people in our church family, I have no doubt, who it's become an addiction. And their spending is out of control. And the enemy has got them in a grip. He wants to bring them down. He wants to steal joy in marriages by luring a person into pornography or by someone who goes, you know what? I feel like I'd be so much happier with that person. I mean, my marriage isn't just what it used to be, and I don't know, we were young and dumb, and, and, but that person right there, oh my goodness, like it would, and I know God wants me to be happy, and time out, that's not really true uh, in the long run. That he's, he wants you to be faithful to your vows. The enemy's crafty. He'll use every strategy he can. But the good news of the gospel is this. When Jesus arrives on the scene, this profound change takes place and, and people are going, who is this man? And here's what becomes incredibly clear. Jesus wins. He wins the battle against the enemy. This decisive victory over spiritual enemies. And never before had there been anybody who had lived without ever giving in to temptation. There's something else. If we turn over to Mark chapter 1, Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, is verse 27. And it says this it says, The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? Like, who is this guy? A new teaching, and with authority, he even gives orders to evil spirits and what? They obey him. You know why? Because in all of the Old Testament, there's not one instance, not one, of someone casting a spirit out of a person. The closest you could ever find is when David is with King Saul, and King Saul has a spirit that's like oppressing him, and David begins to play the harp, and the spirit was sort of, Saul felt like his spirit would go. But then when David would stop playing, the spirit would come back. And that's about the closest you have. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he speaks to demonic strongholds, and, and what happens? The people, the demons have to obey him. You go, do you still believe it happens today? Yes, I do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, how we can experience that in our lives. But it's no wonder that Mark says, news about Jesus spread so quickly. People are going, hey, did you hear about that guy over in Galilee? Like he's been demonstrating clear authority. The people have been like in the grip of evil, have been set free. People have been like walking this path and they've completely changed. And then the ultimate victory won by Jesus. Like he's cast out spirits he won the battle in the wilderness, but you know when Jesus wins the decisive victory? He wins that on the cross when Satan is decisively defeated. Hebrews chapter two, you don't have to turn there, but here's what it says. He too, that's Jesus, shared in our humanity so that by his death, 
what seemed to be an apparent defeat became a decisive victory, that he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. So friends, here's the deal. If you put your trust in Christ, you don't need to live in fear of the enemy, right? You don't have to be afraid that he's going to tempt you so much that you can't resist. Why? Because Jesus defeated him, destroyed him when Jesus died on the cross. And when Jesus is invited into our lives, he wins the victory for us as well. So Satan is like, he's like a vicious lion that has a wicked bite, but he's chained up. If we get close to him, can he injure us? Absolutely. He can take us down. But he's chained up, and if we stay close to Jesus, we need not fear. You have Christ, the winner, living within you if you've put your trust in him. Now, you might go, why is this so hard then? Why, 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 why is the battle sometimes so tough? Because we live in what theologians, we've talked about this, live between the meantime, between the already and the not yet. You'll see some of these on the screen here. The kingdom of Jesus has already arrived, but it's not yet finalized. Healing is already available in Christ. We pray for that, but it's not yet complete. Our names are already written in the book of life, but we're not yet in heaven. And Satan has already been defeated, but he's not yet been forever destroyed. So you could say this about when you wake up tomorrow, you go to work, school, whatever, uh, the coming week, Satan's final outcome has been decided, but we're still in the middle of a raging spiritual battle today, right? That's what Peter says to all of us. He goes, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring what? Lion looking to devour Jonathan and Greg and Sue and Ron and Alyssa and Maxine and everybody. Right? Imagine you're uh, in the metro parks this week and you see this guy pacing anxiously about 100 yards from you. I don't know if you heard, they actually had some sightings in Valley Parkway this week, right down in the metro parks. I don't know if you, I'm just kidding. No, it's not. Some kids are going, Mom, I'm never going to the metro parks again. But you know, it's not a joke. There really is a lion prowling around, looking to devour. That's what, that's, that's what Jesus and his word teaches. That's why he invites us to pray, Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Because he knows that there is someone who's on the loose. And as a pastor, you don't have to be a pastor for this to happen, but I see it way too often. The enemy is so sneaky. And, and you'll hear someone, and you, you know, he's put bait out there. And of course, the hook is hidden. But it makes going the way of sin look so appealing and attractive and pleasurable and good. And you know what? It is momentarily. That's what it says in Hebrews. There's momentary pleasure in sin, but then what's underneath that bait? A giant hook, right? And when the enemy can get us to go after it and then we're hooked and he... And he uses every strategy he can. One, one example, Ephesians 4 says this, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the what? The devil a foothold. That means this, that wrongful anger 
or anything that is where I allow the enemy, it's like opening a window of my life and, and just saying, hey, you're welcome to have a place in my life here. Settle in a little bit. We don't say that. We think, I have a right to be angry. But you know what we end up doing in the meantime? We're opening a window. Sometimes we open the door. And the enemy comes in and you go, all right, it's probably happened in my life. It's happened to all of us. How do I find freedom? The good news is this. Jesus wants to give you freedom. How do we, how do we, how do we win like Jesus won? In your notes, you'll see some principles from scriptures. My time is limited. Let's go through these ones quickly, okay? He can help you to win too. He can put you on the winning side. First of all, it's this. Recognize you're in a, you're in a real spiritual battle. I want you to repeat this one after me. I am in a battle. Would you say that? I am in a battle. You are. Here's the way the Apostle Paul puts it. He says this in Ephesians 6. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. If we had spiritual vision goggles, we'd see them. Your primary enemy is not the person you live with. If you have tension in your marriage or with someone that's in your family, they're not your primary enemy. Hope you're not your enemy at all. It's not a colleague. It's not a neighbor who drives you crazy. Our enemies are not the people around us, Paul says. It's the spiritual enemies who are coming against us. He goes, that's your real enemy. You're in a spiritual battle. If we miss that part, then we're, we're never gonna take the, the next steps. So number one, I'm in a spiritual battle. Secondly, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. I love how we're invited to do this in Hebrews chapter two because he himself, Jesus, suffered when he was tempted. He is what? Able to help. Those who are being tempted. Jesus never lost a battle to Satan. Not one. Not ever. So I invite him in and he's like, you can pray. Our Father, help us not to succumb to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus says he'll help us and he'll give us the strength in the battle. Call on Jesus. Would you say that with me? Ready? Call on Jesus. I didn't do that very well. Ready? One more time. Call on Jesus. There we go. I'm in a battle Call on Jesus. Next, follow Jesus' strategy and use scripture as our weapon. Each time Jesus was tempted, remember how he responds? He looks the enemy in the face. He doesn't go, hey, that's not very fair. He doesn't try to, he goes, it is what? It is written. Jesus took scripture, and Paul says that the Bible, scripture is like what? The, the sword of the spirit. If you read Ephesians 6, it's the only offensive weapon that we have. A Bibleist Christian is like a person going into battle without their only offensive tactic. I've listed some verses in your notes that have been helpful to me. Uh, you'll see some of those like in 1 Corinthians 10 when it says, you know, when you're tempted, God's always gonna provide a way out. Lord, where's your way out? Have we talked about the Bible reading plan here as well this year? You're like, Johnny, you mentioned that like every single week. Uh, on the screen, you'll see here is the, uh, it's, it's what we have for the Bible reading guide. And if you're not a part of reading the Bible on a daily basis, um, man, let, let God's word, either here or on your phone, um, just be your strength. So recognize you're in a battle. Call on Jesus for help. Follow his example of scripture. And then one more strategy, gain strength in the community of Jesus' followers. Defeat is most likely when I'm isolated. Would you say that one with me, ready? Defeat is most likely when I'm isolated. 
When the enemy sees you alone, you're not in any kind of other fellowship or with other Jesus followers, he goes, oh, there's a person that I know is more, you know, and he, and he wants to take us down. So, so find a way to be in community with other followers of Jesus. How do you do that? In your... Um, Oh boy, did I lose my card? Here we go, right here. How many of you got this card on the way in? Can you hold it up if you got one? All right, a lot of you, great. So this is a card we put together. All of these things in the puzzle are available at Grace. And, uh, and, and they're puzzle pieces to say, Lord, as I follow you in my journey, what are some of the pieces of the puzzle to help me to become more like you? To, to uh, a strategic step I can take. If you want to talk to someone about this, there's a lot of people that love to talk with you to say, what do you think I should do next to really let my roots go down and be plugged in? Secondly, out in the lobby today, we have a small group table, bunch of small groups, a place to connect. There are also recovery groups, support groups. We have them on Tuesday night, Friday night, a lot of other days during the week to find a place to say, how can I lock arms with other people who are going to help keep me strong? Next, in a couple of weeks, Saturdays, on Saturday, February 11th, we have what's called the Spiritual Freedom Seminar. This is like cleaning out the closets of your life, your spiritual life. I, I, I've been to this numerous times, and uh, Pastor Greg Carrick leads it, and it's guided prayers to help you uh, remember anything that maybe the enemy has gotten a foothold in your life, and through prayer to, to reclaim that territory for Jesus and to fully surrender yourself to him in every area of your life. And, and it's just a great seminar. It's free. It's going to be happening on Saturday the 11th. Next, we've been blessed with seven licensed counselors here at Grace that are super helpful in, in unpacking issues that maybe can hold you back. You'll see details there about how to make an appointment. But, but don't go it alone. You can tell them, say, here's, here's what happens. Like, before this happens, here are the triggers, and I'm trying to figure out, and, and, and they want to walk with you. And then you might say, do we still believe in demonic spirits today? We do. In fact, we have a prayer team that is willing to pray with you, and you'll see that's the final bullet point there, that you can schedule a private prayer session with a group of trusted people who will pray confidentially with you to say, Lord, we want to see you break the shackles. Is there something going on here where there is an enemy foothold, and, and we can step in with this person and, and help them on, on the journey? They would love to do that with you. Friends, here's our confidence. Whatever you face today, Jesus Christ can lead you to victory. He absolutely can. There's a verse you're going to see on the screen here from 1 John chapter 4 that says this. Would you read that one aloud with me? Let's say it together. Ready? You are from God and have overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That means the one who never lost a battle is alive in us if you've invited him in. The one who decisively crushed the enemy is alive in us. Jesus, when you invite him, comes to live within you and he's never lost a battle and he never will. So don't go around telling yourself, I'm just a miserable failure. I'm never gonna overcome this temptation. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. If you ever hear the enemy whispering in your ear, you're never going to overcome that. That's a lie from the enemy. Because it's a direct contradiction to the power of Jesus to set you free. So here's my question in closing. Imagine you have a pair of spiritual vision goggles and you put them on. Where would the most intense activity 
be in your life? Would there be a time of day when you're like, I'm most vulnerable then? I, I mean, there, I, I bet you anything, I'd see all kinds of spiritual activity. Is there a place, some place you go to, that you're like, I know I'm vulnerable there? Is it a particular person? When you're with them, you're like, I always, I feel like I get dragged down. What if we prayed together and said, Father, lead us not into temptation? Help us not to succumb. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord. Help us to take the steps. Help me to take the steps, the hard steps that I need to take to find freedom. The pathway that you've provided for me. Jesus taught us to pray this prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. You think he wants to answer that? Absolutely. He won the battle and he can win it in you and in me if we'll surrender to him. Let's do that together now. Let's, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we do pray, deliver us from evil. Lord, there's a spiritual battle raging even this morning, this afternoon, as the enemy wants to to plug up our ears, to go, that's not true. You can't believe that. That's so ridiculous. Lord, whatever he's gonna feed us, or you'll never overcome, you're not gonna... Lord, today we wanna say we believe that you have won a decisive victory and you can do it again in us. Lord, help me to take the steps that I need to take to overcome. Help me to become the person you want me to be in Jesus to walk in victory with your strength. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.